Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. And I'm just Steve. And this week we are looking at Season 5, Episode 2, The Gift Horse, in which Martin's birthday inspires a classic bout of sibling rivalry between the Crane brothers as they try to one-up each's gift to their father. Steve, I've probably asked you some variation on this before. I know I've definitely asked Key. What's the best gift you've ever received? Best you might have seen this, this question coming. It wasn't a horse. Mm. No one's ever bought me a horse. I was going to ask, have you ever been bought a, a race horse? And after last week, no one's ever bought me caviar, and I'm real. Um, you're, you're, you are real. I can, I can vouch yeah. for that. Um, God, the best gift someone's ever bought me. Mm. It's a tough one. I want listeners, while Steve's thinking, I want you to think and, and tell us. I want that to be the theme of Listener Mail this week. What's the best gift you ever received? Do I, I think, think it's probably sometimes something very simple, isn't it? I mean, we've we discussed spontaneous gifts before, didn't we? And I, mm. I have to apologise to John Beard again for forgetting the whiskeys. <laughs> oh God, don't know. He, he will forgive you. <laughs> He's probably forgotten about it, but I'll bring it up again. Um, I mean, it goes back to that. Really, spontaneous gifts are a lovely thing. I mean, yeah, the best gift someone's ever given me. I actually don't. I can't answer. I, I actually, don't have to come back to you. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've got, there's a few gifts in my life that I've, I've really, really loved. Um, for Secret Santa one year, I made a board game for a friend based on this video game we loved. And it was quite ambitious and clunky and DIY, but he loved it. So the year after that, he got me the soundtrack to that game on vinyl. Wow. And, the, and that doesn't exist. You can't buy that. So he got it pressed onto vinyl. Wow. Um, so it must, it must have cost him... I don't know, sixty to a hundred pound for this one yeah. for this one vinyl. Um, and I, I have that, and it's like incredible. Um, I over my shoulder there. Do you see that draw that painting of the the man by the red telephone box? I do see that. Yes. So that's from a basically for those who watch films and are quite cinephily listening. The Criterion Collection is um, they're basically a company that release classic films on Blu-ray, and they select like I don't know fifty films every year that are like culturally significant to release on blu-ray and they normally get like a writer a film critic to write an essay to go with it and every cover will have like original artwork and that one local hero is a real connection to my granddad with that film um and i loved when i found out it was coming on criterion that the album art is um, yeah the album art that the cover art um is amazing and unbeknownst to me my birthday my mom and dad contacted the the guy who had painted i don't know how they found out um and he sent them the original wow the original and it even says like for william underneath and the uncanniest thing is it says it in in a handwriting that looks exactly like my granddad's um and wow. it's just uncanny but yeah that's probably one of my faves well, forget asking me because you've topped it. I'm never going to be there. <laughs> Do you know what? I remember being a very young kid and actually getting a Super Nintendo for Christmas, and I thought that was brilliant. I mean, that that's... is brilliant. Do you know what? With all, I think it was all five Mario games as well. Oh, that was a Christmas present. You literally don't ever need any of the games. You've got everything you need yeah. right there. And and obviously, back when a SNES cost ninety nine pounds, and you felt like your parents had literally remortgaged the house at that point. Yeah. Like, I must have been, I don't know, seven, maybe eight, something like that. So we're talking like 90, 1990. 
And I actually remember having so many great games of that. So it doesn't compare to the... the oh, no. It's, it's, a gift is only what it means to you. It doesn't matter I must how... Admit, that, that, to me, stands out as one of the best Christmas gifts I've ever received. I must oh, so you could answer after all, and I love that. Um, and yeah, listeners, please tell us what your favourite gift is. I, I think this, this question's been asked in some variation at some point, so we've probably had some answers. But, you know, we have new listeners now as well, so let us know. Uh, shall we took ourselves into the proverbial trivia corner? Let's get over to Trivia Corner. Excellent. So we we really did put um, Hamish, Corey and the Trivia Masters in the Facebook group under the cloche, so to speak, this week because we gave them a very quick turnaround um, (laughs) for when we needed trivia. And they have risen to the challenge, Um, though Corey being from America, different time zones, probably hasn't had chance, didn't see the message in time. So everyone will forgive him. Okay, It's not his fault. It's ours. Um, And he will be sad to have missed his questions. I know that. but here we go it's for you, Steve, from, from Hammy. Question one. What colour is the bridal on Agadiz when Martin, Niles and Fraser visit him for the first time at the stable? I'm going to gamble with brown. I... I have got here brown and dark red, and so I'm going to accept brown. I think that's a very good answer. I wouldn't have got this. We can pick it apart later, but I must admit, it came to my it came to my attention when I saw the horses in that stable. And I thought, why are they wearing bridle and tack? What they're in a stable and it's late in the evening. No one's riding them. They're yeah, retired. like have they just been ridden or are they going to take them <laughs> or out? Have they know. just been taken onto a TV set? Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably that. <laughs> um, but yes, well played, Steve. Question numero dos. What things will Martin's new monster TV and Stonehenge speakers enhance? Oh. There's two things it will enhance. Um, These are good questions, Hammy. That is, I, I actually don't know the answer. Can't answer that at all. Okay, you might if I give you the first one. The majesty of the Metro- Metropolitan Opera. All um, I remember is Sherry saying, can you get the National Network on? <laughs> <laughs> Nashville. And the thrilling artists of the Bolshoi. Oh, yeah. You're quite, quite a Bolshoi artist yourself. Quite a Bolshoi artist. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, don't apologise. That's a cracking question from, from Hammer. Um, oh, this is also a really good one and also, I think, quite hard. But only because I've just watched the episode, I would have, I would have got these, I think. But I have just watched it, which is, you know, a huge advantage. According to Niles... Uh, actually, no. I, I think I think Fraser says this. Um, what did Thurgood Marshall get on his 80th birthday? Joe, you know I only watched the episode about two hours ago as well. It's, a, it's not- a sarcastic response about um, in response to Mar- Sherry tracking down a man who can make a likeness out of Martin from like eight pack tons of liverwurst. Oh yeah, it's six pounds liverwurst, isn't it? Um... Do you know what? I don't know the answer. I remember the liverwurst part, and I, I can't get that. It's a cream cheese gavel. A cream cheese gavel. Hammy, um, you have stumped me twice now. <laughs> some excellent questions. Hammy will be rubbing his hands together with joy it. there. Be um, before we get to the questions from Little Bobby Briscoe, Niall Crane, A Little Owlet in the Glen, and Run From Your Life, hit me with yours, Steve. I have four for you this week. Oh, you well, do. in Corey's absence, it's you do treat me. So, going back to the stable, there are three horses in the stable, but four nameplates. Oh my god! Can you name them? I'll give you the first one. 
Agadiz. I there? I haven't even I didn't even notice there were nameplates, so I cannot. For it, is there a theme? No, absolutely. Well, actually, yes, with two of them, but um, do they not- have human names? No, I'd say that two of them are something to do with my favourite pastime, not dogs. Um, hunting. Yeah, along the line of shooting. Shooting. Two, two of the words are to do with shooting. I'm going to guess musket and um, skeet. Right. Do you want all four? Yeah, give them. You've got Agadiz, obviously. Yeah. Next to Agadiz is a nameplate with a horse in there that says Ward. 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 The vacant uh, horse box, as it were, is Shooter. Oh, my God. And the white horse that leans over and I think licks David Hyde Pierce is Trigger. Trigger. Oh, oh only falls and horses as well. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether, what, what connections they were going for, but, yeah, that's the four names of the four horses that were in that stable that day. Wow. That's a good question. And I can't believe I never even noticed what other <laughs> name plates, but there we are. Question number two. Mm-hmm. What branding is on the boxes for the speakers that arrive oh. in the TV? <laughs> Oh, man, I can see the logo, and I really did look at this when they came in. I feel like it ends AX. Oh, I completely got that oh. wrong. <laughs> I was thinking of, like, I don't know, Max, something Max. Um, One big word right in the middle of the box. One big word. Is it a real brand, or is it fictional? I have no idea. I didn't uh, look it up. <laughs> probably fictional. Um, I'm going to say, I don't know. Segway. It is Dynamo. Dynamo, for God's sake, <laughs> man. Ah, that's a good question. I should have well, got that. We'll try an easier one. Which restaurant is Duke taking Marty to for his birthday? Is it Hoppy's Old Heidelberg? It's Hoppy's Old Heidelberg. Well done. Thank God. So, bring it to a close for you. Number four, how many years did Martin ride Mounted Patrol for? Eight. Correct. Yes. Eight. <laughs> Two out of four, mate. Uh, I will take 50% until the until the Agadiz comes home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was almost you spared me my blushes a little bit there with some good questions. Well played, well played. Thank you. Right. Trivia from Niall Crane this week. In the first scene, when Roz kisses Frasier, we see a waiter behind them. In what hand is he holding the pen? Is this is the waiter left-handed or right-handed? I'm going to have to guess, and I think it's going to be left-handed because right-handed is too common. So I'm left-handed. He's right-handed. <laughs> so you are you are wrong-handed. Um, no, the good question there from Niall Crane, the visual expert from Trivia Corner. Trivia from Little Owler in the Glen. In the opening scene, Fraser says he bought Martin a wallet. What is the wallet made of? Calfskin, I believe. Calf skin, it, it doesn't pucker. I don't believe it doesn't pucker. Um, calf <laughs> skin, calf skin. <laughs> the most laughed at animals on the farm, I believe. <laughs> Trivia from Run for Your Life to see things to a close this week. What? Oh, hang on. Have I missed a question? Yes, I have. My you've got as well, haven't you? Huge apologies to little Bobby Briscoe. At Novosa, after Niles says he's a hundred dollars over the agreed spending limit. What words do the brothers use to further describe the, I think that's the overpayment? Oh, yeah. 
they use about three or four, don't Overage. they? They do. And I, I, honestly, when I was watching this episode and heard them, I was like, someone will ask a question based on these. Yeah, I can't remember them because there's about two or three different segments, isn't there? I, I know the one he's talking about. But I think they do it again. And Frazier keeps going, oh, just will you quit it, Niles, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. They keep going over. I couldn't tell you the words, I'm afraid. Bobby Briscoe stumped me as well. So that's not a drop. It's a downpour. It's a dribble. It's a deluge. And then I think Niles goes to say a fifth. And he's like, oh, stop it. Yeah. Um, that oh, is a, that's a fantastic question. Really love that. So finally, run for your life this week. What is the what is the title card opening? Opening the scene. Sorry, I'm butchering this. Where Agades is presented to Martin. What is the title card that opens that scene? Oh God! And it's related to Agades's party trick. I don't know. I can honestly say, Joe, after the last one of remembering title cards and trying to look out for them. I don't think there's that many in this, and I really didn't pay much attention to I don't it. think there was many in this one. I think there was one, it's, maybe two. Sure, but can he do long division? That's it, yeah. Do you That's know what? I remember seeing it because I thought Grandpa can't do math in his head. Um, Grandpa can't do math in his head? <laughs> That's a great question, yeah. You guys have all completely got me. <laughs> you guys, honestly, what a fantastic trivia corner. I think this was just a really good episode for people to have a bit of fun with the trivia. Um, there's a lot of like snappy dialogue. There's a lot of like things mentioned, the gifts, there's names, there's people going to the party, there's agonies. There's a lot to play with. Um, and generally, you know, as we're going to get into, it's a pretty strong episode. So really, really lovely stuff. Um, if Corey wants to send us questions... By all means, you send them, okay, and we will we will answer them. Um, but thank you, everyone, and uh, keep it coming as always. Um, so, animation watch, Steve. Can you remind us what it was? I believe it was just a small blinking red light at the top of. It the- was the absolute classic red light, um, which I believe. Don't quote me on it. Is that? I think it's the one I used on the first episode. No, do we have fireworks last week? Didn't we? No, sorry, on the first episode of the show. Oh, um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Is, is that the one? I'd have to have a gamble. But I'll, it's I'll it's to... even going to be that elevator or, or lights. But yeah, yeah. Got, that is a classic, definitely a classic one. Isn't we it? like red light. Um, we, we open in Nervosa and Roz is absolutely necking Frasier. Um, who is she trying to get her kind of vengeance on? Sure, I didn't make a note of his name. I, I don't think, I actually, I'm not sure if I got a name. I just made yeah. remember his occupation or anything I about want to it. say something like Todd or something like that. It's, it's going to be a Todd. Um, I did like the fact that Niles then says Seattle's haven't kissed Roz Club, it's just him and the Archbishop. Him and the Archbishop. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it, it struck me a bit strange. I mean, have you ever had that situation? Has any woman ever said to you, you just need to kiss me quickly because my ex. <laughs> My ex-boyfriend's walking past, and I need you to make it look like I'm with someone. Sadly, not living in a in a Hollywood film has prevented that from ever happening. But you know, not for lack of trying. I often hang around, you know, singles bars waiting for it to happen. <laughs> Obviously, that's a joke. But um, no, this has never happened to me. But I, it's not a common occurrence. So Frasier is a pretty good sport here. Do we think that's because he's just doing his bit as a friend, or because he probably quite enjoys kissing Roz? He does seem to not mind helping Roz out. I mean, he does get a yeah. bit annoyed after a while. He's like, look, look, will you stop now? Do you know what I mean? When she Mostly starts- because she's yeah. doing it for no reason at that point. <laughs> I think it's a lovely scene, actually, with Roz. She looks very playful. Perry Gilpin looks just, like, really happy, and she's very, very cute doing it, isn't she? She's all, like, sort of up up next to him, and just the way she then starts to kiss his neck, and she's laughing while doing it. And, and Frasier Frazier- is laughing when she finishes as well, and it yeah. looks like Kelsey is laughing. Yeah, it, does, um, it looks like a really nice little fun scene between the two actors as well. 
as the two characters shows their friendship again so i think that's yeah. quite a nice, nice little moment for for Perry to bring out there, so yeah, absolutely, really well said. Um, yes, yeah, so it's a smug stockbroker who kept calling him Fraser instead of Fraser. Um, yeah. we- weirdly, I knew a guy at uni, um, wasn't particularly close with him, um, just knew him for a few lectures, and you know, we- we'd chat in the foyer before a lecture. He was called Fraser and hated being called Fraser. Um, well, can they not notice the difference? Quite clearly, it's Frasier. <laughs> Honestly, and I used to, I used to talk to him about the show, saying, well, I love the show Frasier. Maybe you'll make an exception for me and I can call you Frasier. And he'd get so annoyed. And I was like, you know what? I don't know you well enough to really needle you here. I'm just going to leave it. But I was also a bit like, is he being a little, I don't, I don't know. Is it wrong for me to think he was being a bit precious? But it, your name is your name. And, you know, yeah. if people mispronounce it, if people called you Stove, you know, You'd be annoyed. Quite, quite obviously, Steve. Just Steve, isn't it? <laughs> just Steve, you know. Stove, very different thing. So, uh, well, I do. I do actually. I've had people before when I've said, "Oh, it's Stephen with a PH." They go, "Do you mind if we call you Steve?" And I go, "Yeah." And they go, "Well, how do you spell that?" Well, not with a PH, obviously. Cause... As in, like, do I think you mean like <laughs> Steph? S T E P H. Very different name. I mean, of course, would it be? And when people say, "Is Steve your actual name?" And I go, "Well, yeah." Well, no, I was born Stephen. They go, "Oh, I thought Steve was your name." What baby pops out? And the mum and dad look and go. That's a Steve. That's a Steve. <laughs> or a Dave or a Clive. Well, Clive's a real name. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. looks at a baby and goes, yeah, that's Dave. That or is. like, that's a Jimmy. You yeah. Know. It's, it will be James. <laughs> yeah, obviously there's got to be a full name there somewhere. But yeah. yeah. So, yeah, again, listeners, let us know if you're particularly precious about your name or whether it gets um, kind of mispronounced on a, on a regular basis, we'd, we'd like to know. Um, hopefully you and I both reach 65, Steve. That would be well, nice, wouldn't it? I'd like to, but I'm not sure I want to wait for Sherry to write songs for me and appear out of a cake. <laughs> She's going to get awfully hot in that cake waiting from now, we'll Steve. We'll come to that later on. Um, yeah, you know, let's. here's hoping, touch wood, that we reach the, the beloved old age of 65. Um, I mean, Nars is delivery now of... Um, Hello. This is just before we've already kind of got to him. It's before Riles kisses him. Just his little hello when he sees them getting off. Just it's so good because we have this later when he's like when she's like flirting with Martin and, and the classic line, you know, we've eloped. Well, I'll be a son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, you know, so good. Just him and Roz are just always there's a great interplay between them. And the kiss is just so good because everybody kisses better than Maris. <laughs> Does everyone kiss better than Maris? Um you, you, I've got to go back to the, the fact that you just said Martin turns 65. Um, mm. This is on the internet. It's not just me looking at it. Do you realise that this aired in September 1997? And there's an episode in the aired in the last season in January of 1997 where Martin had a birthday. So Martin has had two birthdays in the calendar year 1997. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me he had a birthday and they, he was like 55 and they really no, I wrote the pooch. Down, uh, Martin has a birthday and Dad loves Sherry. The boys just whine. He so does. They, he they does, yeah. celebrated a birthday uh, probably within the last 12 episodes. Wow. So Martin has two birthdays a year, which is probably why he's got 65 so quickly, because if he's 65 and Fraser's 43, they're very close in age as well, actually. <laughs> Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah. And also, if he has two birthdays in a year, why is he getting so bent out of shape in my coffee with Niles? Because they forgot his birthday. You know, it's come, It's going to be around again in a month or two. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's really no need to, to get annoyed. Um, but yeah, in the Nervosa scene, we have the, the sibling rivalry of this episode beginning. And as sibling rivalry eps go, this has got to be, you know, one of the best. It is um, a classic one-upmanship. It's, it's so good. Oh. 
And I think I think in general, like games of one-upsmanship, when it, you know we've all probably been in some very minor variation of it in in our time, it's always unpleasant. You, you know, both people you see the worst of each other as mm. you're trying to kind of you know get get that upper hand. Um, I mean, their their spending limit is a hundred quid that they agreed on, which for a non-specific birthday do is th- extremely high. Do you think it's a hundred pounds? I thought that's what they said. They say it's more than that. Well. I've got calfskin. I wrote down calfskin wallet and his key case. He says that's twenty dollars below the budget. Niles gets membership to a beer club, and he says it's with taxes and a bit of carriage. It's a hundred dollars over the over budget. the over the budget. So I started thinking. Well, the membership to a beer club say it's I don't know fifteen, maybe twenty dollars a month. Do you think back then it might have been? Well, now it's more common. Does that mean it would have been even more back then? Exactly. So microbrewery, small mm. batch. But $100 over, I'm guessing he's probably paid maybe $200 for that. How much is a wallet, calfskin wallet? Is that going to be $80? Let me Google a calfskin wallet would set us back. I mean, you know, Fraser's favourite meat being veal. I'm surprised he doesn't want more calfskin in his his household. You know, we're probably looking at about $160 or so for a calfskin wallet. So maybe the budget was $200 and the membership to the beer club was... 300 with taxes and carriages now says i mean this is this is a thing for Corey because we also find out there's the binoculars well this is what I thought the about. season ticket to the seahawks must have Rich. cost more than the others combined i'm thinking i looked that up and one game of the seahawks in around 96 97 is about 50 dollars and with jesus the 50 yard line and season tickets how many i don't know i have no idea how many games they actually play at home I don't know that. I don't even know how many games in an NFL season. I'm sure a listener will write in. Baseball's 162, but I could not tell you in an NFL season how many games I play, and certainly not how many at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if it's 20 or 15, averaging at $50, that suddenly jumps the price up a lot. Binoculars, I'm looking, what, three, $400 for a really good pair? A really good pair, yeah. Probably they're, they're not going to cheap out, are they, on some from like an outdoor pursuit shop? But what does he need them for? He's got a telescope that Fraser bought him in season one or two. I mean, yeah, like is it when he goes? <laughs> is it when he like walks Eddie around the park? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a gift that Martin would actually want. That one. No, no. I mean, holding the binoculars with two hands whilst also having a dog on the lead and your cane. Yeah. Um, don't see him using them that often. I'm not sure Fraser's thought that one for. I don't think he has. Um, do we have any coffee count stats this week, Steve? We do. The total is now up to 148. Because nice. When we first go into Nervosa, Fraser is on one. Ros has one later on, uh, which I've written down as a double espresso to go. Mm. Uh, Niles has two, one of which is a double latte, and Daphne has one. Oh, love that, Steve. Thank you. Uh, really, really has one, obviously, but she doesn't count. She's not main cast. She certainly doesn't count. Um, so, yeah, Nas is going to drop or two over, or may we say a deluge, £100 over. Um, as I'm going to get to, I do think Nas is very much in the wrong in this episode, um, to a point, um, particularly with the season tickets thing, because yeah, he already had them. And Fraser's binoculars were a response to the the already the already breach, as it were. So yeah. I do think Niles is way out of line in this episode. The other thing is, I mean, did, looking at the season tickets, I think, well, did he buy Martin just one season ticket? 
did he buy it as a pair for Duke to go or for Daphne to go? Because Martin, Martin presumably wouldn't go on his own, or would he be able to do that, like accessibility wise? I don't know. Would, would he want to go on his own? Mm. Here, go to the game, Dad, on your own every week. Enjoy that. Some time mm-hmm. by yourself. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it would be an odd one. So that's a good point. You know, was it intended that someone would go with him? Yeah. Um, very, know. very strange. Well, it's not a strange gift, but it is an odd gift. Um, yeah, it's, it is. I mean, talking about that scene, I know we're getting out of Nivos. We're obviously going into 1901, aren't we? Yeah, the, we are. The food that Sherry and Daphne list, I've written down the appetizers of cocktail franks and sausage medley. Sausage medley, the main, yeah. The main course being meatloaf and then meatballs. Well, actually, I think you have the choice. You know, you don't have to have both if you don't want to. <laughs> no, but then you've got the six pounds of liverwurst to eat. Oh, my God. Well, it's basically if you want meat, that's it. That's that's all the son offer from Sherry. That's all that Martin and his cronies enjoy, according to Sherry. Um, it sounds extraordinarily unappetizing to me, uh, and I eat meat. Um, oh well, yeah, but I don't think I just want sausage, sausage, meatloaf, and more sausage. Honestly, I'm still not entirely certain what meatloaf is. I mean, I've seen pictures of it. I know what it is on a literal level. On a spiritual level, I'm deeply troubled by it. But um, I know a few of his songs, and I loved his performance in Fight Club. So yeah, any any huge defenders of listener? Um, I was going to say huge defenders of listener mail. Huge defenders of meatloaf. Get in touch if you artist or food. And if you really like his songs, tell us which one you like the most. <laughs> yeah, what was it that he wouldn't do for love? We'd love to hear from you. Um, and we like you, and is that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> um, Eddie having a staring contest with Frasier. A rare POV shot through the table um, from a, Frasier's point perspective. It's a slightly different director. I can't remember. It's a her. Uh, oh, right, okay. Get back onto IMDb. I think, is it Pamela Freeman? Freeman, something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know how... Because I, I appreciate when when these directors try and do a um a, a novel shot, something that's something we haven't seen before. But this one's you know quite specific. It wasn't yeah. like the end of Here's Looking at You, which was abysmal. It's um, it's Pamela Freeman or Fryman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether that was one of her first. I, I can't look it up in that way at the moment. I don't know if it's one of her first episodes or whether she was trying to be a breakthrough in a sitcom. Whether she thought this would be different. It's a bit like when Kelsey does Moon Dance. Mm. You've got that aerial shot, and that's the first aerial shot you really see, and that's Kelsey's debut as a as a director. And that always makes me think: Do they try something that's a little bit outside the sitcom box to try and show that they're creative and this is what their skill involves? Or did we just need to see Eddie peering over that newspaper in a different angle because it wouldn't have worked any other way? Mm. Um, because the other shots, obviously, later on when the TV gets delivered, are aerial shots of uh, Fraser and Daphne looking 12 foot Yeah, up a lot of perspective area. shifting. and So there's a lot of high angle stuff. The other thing that made me wonder about the angles of the set is I think this is shot on two or three cameras most of the time, mm. um, as most sitcoms are. Obviously, there's no KACL in this episode because they had to make way for the stables for the horses. Yeah. Apparently, KACL was kind of shifted out and the stable set was brought in to obviously have Agadiz, etc. on the set for the uh, for the audience to view. Hence, no KACL. So I wondered sometimes if they moved the cameras around a bit to, to deal with other things or was it just like I say, the director was just doing her own thing and trying to make more of an impact with what she was doing. But I mean, going on to the Eddie performance, I think one, it's brilliant. The only thing I don't quite like is, and this is me picking up on a dog trainer is you can kind of tell that Matilda de Cagney is in the kitchen behind because when mm. Ed walks off, 
he doesn't really look at Fraser anymore. He's clearly staring straight into the and gap. And his, his, his jumping, he's looking at her rather than yeah, at Fraser. He, he's not looking at Kelsey. You can tell that. And, and But that's... That's no, it's unavoidable, isn't it? Yeah, he's literally... I mean, she's obviously standing somewhere behind Kelsey and she's holding something that's making Moose or Enzo. I think it actually looks like Enzo, but I don't think he's in it this early. I thought Enzo is like season seven or so, but... Don't Season quote seven, me on that. Enzo really takes over. Mm. I don't know whether he took over from Moose for some of the extra stuff, but this dog, whichever one it is, doesn't look quite as hairy as Moose. And, I did and they're want... jumping real high. Yeah, I did I did wonder if it was a younger dog, but I'm sure someone will pick up whether it is or not. Obviously, Moose is credited in the episode, but Moose is credited in 99% of the episodes, even when it's yeah. end, to be fair. So yeah, very, very good point. Um yeah, I just, I, you know, again, yeah, we've had the the staring contest things in previous episodes, but we don't always have that, like, you know, this is Frasier's perspective looking mm. at the staring. So it was it was interesting, nevertheless. Um, six pounds of liververse to Martin's likeness in it. We've, we've already coved this. Um, <laughs> just sounds just fearsome to, to gaze upon, to, to, to munch of. Um, not sure I'd, I'd like to taste of this, of this likeness, to be honest. Uh, in a picture here, we learn that Marty had a perm at some point. Um, I'd absolutely and, love to see it. I imagine a moustache as well. I, I think yes, seventies. So Starsky and Hutch vibe. It it did make me start to wonder. Martin sixty five. This is nineteen ninety seven. Will if if you're good at math, you'll work that out way quicker than I was at what year he was born. Sorry, sixty five to ninety seven. That's yeah. thirty two years. What he was born in nineteen thirty two. Sorry, that- sorry. No. Between to 1965 to 1997 no, 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 is 32 no. years. No, he's 65 years old. This is in 1997. So does that oh, mean? Oh, uh, then 1937, 1932. Yeah, did you say so, that? Yeah, 1932. So in the 70s, he'd have been 40, give yeah. or take. Yeah. That makes sense. So he rode mounted police for eight years then. When did you become a detective? When did he meet Hester? Because yeah, he met that- Hester over the, over the chalk outline of a body, didn't he? Do we think Mounted Patrol was something he did like whilst a detective? Would mount I don't know. I mean, any police officers watching are listening to this, please let us know. Do you go yeah. on secondments where you then suddenly mount mounted police? Um yeah, it is a funny one because they're they're clearly delving into the lore and backstory of his character, but they're doing so in a slightly haphazard way because you get nerds like us years later that it would you know, sound unfairly pick it all apart. <laughs> if Fraser's forty three, that makes Martin twenty two when Fraser's born, which yeah. would mean that Fraser uh, Martin had met Hester before they hadn't conceived Fraser, which means they were twenty to twenty one. And he was already a detective because they met over a chalk line of a body and she was already a fully-fledged psychiatrist. That's so true, yeah. <laughs> Corey will definitely be able to pinpoint these ages. This is Cor- Cor- Corey's going to be able to pinpoint the, the moment of Fraser's conception for us. He'll have the time, the place, you know, the, the whatever was on the on the jukebox at the time. Corey can work it all out because he's, he's like that. podcasting before I even met it ever meeting Corey and knowing how he analyzes this sort of thing. This is exactly how my brain worked today when I looked at the ages and went, oh, yeah, that's, you yeah. know, that makes sense. So sorry to tear that apart and poke holes in the uh, timeline. No, not at all. Not to at me, all. the age of Martin doesn't make sense in this episode for his experiences and what he's done. If we, yeah, if, we, if you can pick it up like this, then obviously, you know, something's, something's amiss and, and it's, it's, uh, 
our job as hobbyists to, to talk about this stuff. Um, mounted Patrol. I always heard as Mountain Patrol when I used to, used to listen to this episode. And I used to think, what's Mountain Patrol? And he like, I was I was assuming it was like a town like Aspen surrounded by mountains. And they, they're kind of like, you know, I've got no idea what I was picturing, but it makes a lot more sense now I know it's Mounted Patrol. So there you go. Um, and my next bullet point was just simply trying to gauge the price of a season ticket, which we've talked about. Yes. But yeah. I've put so pricey Niles' way out of line. I'd be interested to know if listeners agree. Do you think he's out of line? I do. I, I, the other thing about the uh, the season tickets, one, I do think he's out of line because I think it's a hell of a lot of money. Maybe I'm wrong, but even in 1997, I think it was a lot of money for a season, season ticket. Mm. I like the way he sort of, he looks like he knows what he's saying when he says, I was hoping to get something in the first couple of yards, but it's way back on the 50. And smirks like, and I know that's in the centre of the field. <laughs> oh, I didn't even, I didn't even notice the smirk. He sort of says, "Well, all I could get was something way back on the 50. Anyway, toodaloo, and sort of walks out. And you're like, "Does he know?" Because he looks yeah. like he does. <laughs> he knows. He knows. Yeah, he knows. He knows what he's done. Um, so, listeners, are you? You know, do you agree with us? Let us know because I think he is a little bit out of line for me personally. Um, Fraser ripping the receipt up so that he won't take the binoculars back for a, a better gift. Literally a pointless gesture. Especially when you say, Daphne, bring me some tape. I need to put this receipt back together again. Well, not, not, oh, not, not, not even that. The, re- the, receipt, the receipt is irrelevant because he can just go out and buy a better gift as well as the binoculars. And it's not like he hasn't got the money if he wants to anyway. Exactly. There is no prerequisite for him to have to return the previous gift to one up the, the the other one like that just it doesn't make any sense um but the well, fact maybe, is, oh my god Mark. maybe if he's there he could ask helen moskowitz to help or um who's the other lady in the later seasons it's sam samantha the uh the lawyer in later seasons that helps him return the purse yeah 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 you should see me return a kidney it's really easy <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i just it just really griped me a little bit it's not phrase you know this doesn't mean anything you can just go out and buy a, a bugatti veyron for martin <laughs> <laughs> they weren't out at the time but um i don't think but uh but yeah so just just one of those things um daphne's been doing everything it sounds like in the organization of martin's party sherry's like oh this is gonna wear me out it's yeah. just clearly done f all um very it's nice to see them two working together obviously we've seen the daphne hates sherry episode in the past they've clashed a lot it's nice to see actually Daphne's going, well, do you know what? I'll probably kind of welcome her in now. She's a permanent fixture in Martin's life. I'm yeah. going to have to get on with it. They've obviously sorted out their differences, but you can see the way Jane Leaves constantly rolls her eyes and goes, oh, well, I have to pick it up. Yes. Well, <laughs> do you know what I mean? She's like, thank you. You're a doll. Um, yeah. <laughs> clearly she's just like, oh, you know, F like, um, it's, it's a, it's an interesting relationship that they have at this point, yeah. you know, knowing that we've had Daphne H. Sherry. Um, so, yeah, we have them running out after each other at different times now, Fraser and Niles, when they learn that the other had previously been there and then dived out to, to kind of one-up them again. I, Some good, wrote, you know. I wrote three words, that little worm. Which that I think little worm. Can you remember what Niles says? I can't remember. It's it's similar, isn't it? It's another one. It's remember. another animal. He says that jackal. <laughs> That's it, yeah. And it just sort of turns on their heel and storms back out with a little uh, paper bag or whatever he's got with the gift in. Nope, that's it. I've got to go and get another so one. So good. What I wrote for that scene was that little worm. That little worm. You did a worm if I go to a French name. Um, <laughs> Marty now back at 1901. He admits he actually does want people to make a huge fuss of him after all. And Fraser despairs. And, you know, 
granted, there will be some people out there who, who really don't ever want any fuss. But I think there is a part of all of us that we like a little bit of fuss every now and then. And, you know, if I had rich sons, I wouldn't be adverse to the idea of them spoiling me. <laughs> They've taken him out on several occasions, haven't they? They've tried in the past. Obviously, you've got the timber mill sort of incident and like Sagavalon and all the places they've tried to take him. Don't they buy him a suit at one point? They had it wound up in a mayonnaise jar. Yes. All that sort of thing. And I think, do you know what I mean? They, they do take him out and they do try and spoil him. And they've often bought him things at the Christmases when we've talked about, obviously, the uh, Noel smoking Cowan, jacket. Like that smoking jacket. It's not you, it's this. And and all that sort of thing. And Martin clearly doesn't like it. But with this birthday, suddenly he gets on board and goes, actually, I'm only 65 once. Do you know what? Duke's taking me out. You guys can take me out. And I wrote down a name of someone else who, uh, Ned Flanagan, I think, or is it Ed Flanagan? And he Ed, goes, Ed, Ed Flanagan, I think. Yeah. He goes, what lovely guy. And he goes, I don't know. I don't know who he is. <laughs> yeah, that random guy at the bar. No idea who it is. No idea who he is. Um, so yeah, he does. He does want that, doesn't he? he? He's kind of lapping up the attention a little bit. And I just think, you know, I don't, I don't begrudge him that. No, um, I will point out. Did you notice what happens when uh, Fraser enters 1901 in this scene? Daphne's reading a book on the sofa. Oh, what an intriguing question. Um, Think about something she may do in later seasons or she's done in the past. And as Fraser enters, she is she smoking? No, she's got oh. a feet on the coffee table. Oh, and does she get them down as he enters? Yep. Her feet come off that coffee table just as he enters, and she puts the book down and goes, oh, Steve, I'm here. Sorry, I'm here. mate. You froze for a second then. Yeah, you, um, you so the, <laughs> the, uh, the last thing I said was, um, does she take the feet off the coffee table? Yeah, she does. One by one, she slowly puts her feet down just as the door opens. The door just creaks open. Wow. Just as he comes in, she goes, Dr. Crane, and puts the book down, and everything's normal. And it's just like when Eddie was doing it before, and Eddie barks, I think, doesn't he? And she puts her feet down and knows that he's coming. So, she yeah. Like, yeah, she like chucks her chocolate away and then gets yeah. the dust of back. And so yeah, once again, blast. Daphne is sort of playing hooky while the bosses are out. It's a bit like Martha, isn't it? It's uh, we can sit back and relax, we're doing nothing. As soon as the boss comes home, actually, I better look like I'm doing something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a really lovely observation. Yeah, I hadn't caught that at all. Um, Stonehenge now arrives after yeah. Fraser realizes the only thing he's going to have to do. Uh, I mean, even for the 90s. Well, no, especially for the nineties. This t- well, what I want, what I mean to say is, even by today's standards, this TV is obscenely massive. It looks like it's about eighty to a hundred inches. I used to work in a electrical shop uh, selling all manner of white and brown goods, which to many people that wouldn't make sense. White goods being fridges and washing machines. Washing machines, yeah. You'd have grey goods, laptops. Brown goods, don't know why they were called that. I suppose mostly TVs back in the day were originally sort of wood cast, weren't they? Um, but we did have rear projection TVs, which were sort of, this is the early 2000s. Rear projection TVs were the biggest way of getting a flat screen. Right. Clear like a, a plasma or an LCD screen. But obviously it, it was like having the old CRT, the cathode ray tube, but really big and like a light projector in mm. the back. Well, we used to sell one in the shop, which was £10,000. This was in 2003, I think. Oh, my God. People would buy it. It was 70 inches. And when people would walk in and say, I want a TV, I know listeners can't see me doing this, but holding my arms out, people would come in and go, I want a TV this big. And I'd go, I'd literally walk over to it and go, what, that? And it's five (laughs) five and a half foot wide. And I'd go, that big? And they'd go, yeah. And I'd go, well, it's 10 grand. And they'd go, do you do finance? 
and they'd literally sit there and want to buy it and put about a thousand pounds worth of insurance on it and buy this massive TV. The one that they bring in for for Martin looks to be about ten foot tall. I mean, how they even got it through the front door of nineteen oh one is beyond me. Oh, it's giant, and obviously it's it's made to look bigger, isn't it? So Daphne and Fraser look up <laughs> stuff yeah. like that, and maybe it's got a base and it's sitting on something. But that TV in anybody's living room, even Fraser's humongous living room is hideous isn't it it is it's, just gross <laughs> it is an eyesore um i love that anecdote about the electrical store like that's a, to know that there were things like this back then that's amazing and 10, oh, gra- 10 was, grand for a tv now yeah. also unthink- unheard of you know right now you could probably buy an 80 inch tv top of the line yeah probably maximum 3k yeah i mean and, and the technology now i mean they were Back then, that would have had one HDMI socket on the back of it and maybe been 1080i. It wouldn't have even been 1080p. 1080p. It would have been interlaced, not progressive scan, which is really geeky for me to say that. I used to all the numbers, 1376 by 780 or whatever. Oh, the, the, the refresh rate and yeah, yeah, resolution. And, you know, how many dots per inch and everything like that that people want to know in the screen. And and you look at that sort of thing and you think that TV wasn't even the best quality. It was future-ready and still had to be converted to actually watch it in HD. So you buy a Blu-ray player, you're not even watching it in full HD. Yeah. Ten grand, you thought, I've got a real beast of a TV. No, you haven't. You've got an awful picture coming your way. Yeah, it's just dressed up. It's mud and yeah. dressed as lamb. Yeah, um, But yeah. Um, so the Stonehenge arrives. Frasier is crazed, trying to make it look better. His, his face now, he's lost the plot. You know, a little objet here, or something there. <laughs> You know, you can't. On top. <laughs> yeah, you can't just smear lipstick on the bride of Frankenstein and turn him into a trophy wife, as he says. Um, but he's really trying here to try and to try and juice it, juice it up a little. Um, yeah, little pots and pans. And I think the just... the only British phrase you could put in there was "you can't polish a turd." And that yeah. is I mean, he really is, like turd, you say, trying to dress up the bride of Frankenstein, isn't he, with yeah. a bit of lipstick, and it, it's just not working. It doesn't matter what you do. And the fact that the, it, it, he slumps down in the Martin's chair, which I thought was actually quite an iconic moment, that he just literally hands over his face like almost crying isn't it yeah the door goes and he goes what are those they're your speakers honestly (laughs) just absolutely incredible when when that happens um niles's face when he arrives like dhp's physical acting now as he sees the tv he's kind of looking down he does a quick take and locks onto it absolutely phenomenal like probably one of my favorite moments this episode in terms of physical acting i just think it's so spot on so so good it's it i mean obviously then you've got the you're quite the bullshit artist yourself what a line how clever and this is nearly as good as i mean i like the they, they're very good with the play on words aren't they the writers oh they are they really are they've got the um is it the i'm, I'm sure they're already got enough of your uh, they're fed up of all your crepe already when you, they're talking about crepes and he gets that one in and is it in uh not dinner party i can't remember the other episode and he says um don't worry, I'm sure we'll try and cater for more for your shellfish demands. Your in the- shellfish <laughs> demands. And I think they're so good at getting lines like this in to get bullshit artists in. I just think that's absolutely superb. Yeah, and like later on with the, you know, so he can look his gift horse in the mouth. Again, I'm, th- <laughs> I'm thinking like... Literally the next point I've got written. I- I'm just thinking like, did they come up with the plot point first that we'll have a birthday episode where they're one-upping with gifts? Then they got to... Well, what about we make up this thing about mountain patrol and someone buys the horse, and then they have to get to the gift horse as a as a punny title, and they yeah. have to get that to get to that line. At what point do things kind of fit into place? Because it's so superb, isn't I think it? it? It's actually written by about five people. This episode, really? that's not surprising. There's a, to me. There's a decent team in there. 
you've got writers on this one, David Angel, Peter Casey, David Lee, Ron Darian, Glenn Charles and Les Charles. Obviously, right. the Charles brothers aren't exactly uh, writers because they obviously created Frasier, so they count as not writers for the episode, if that makes sense, writers for the backstory of Frasier in a way. Yeah, yeah. Him in Cheers. But yeah, I mean, you've got Casey and Lee and you've got, you know, that's that's two big names straight away just to put in there. They know the story backwards and forwards. So obviously they're, they're, they're quite used to getting those sort of lines in these episodes, I think. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and I've said that I think Nars is in the wrong, but it's an amazing gift. Let's not beat around the bush. I mean, to, to have the the expense and, you know, opportunity to, to do this um, in the context of this episode, I mean, it is a phenomenal gift. Um, and obviously it kind of triggers a, a bit of melancholy for Martin, as it would anyone. But he realises, you know, this is actually a really incredible thing. Um it is, yeah, it's very touching uh, in an episode that is obviously based on kind of comic rivalry. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's nice that it's obviously a sentimental uh, gift for him, but also of an age for him. He's 65. So obviously that's his retirement age. He took early retirement, obviously, bullet in the hip, as he says several times in different episodes. Mm. One thing that confuses me is how old is the horse? Because we're talking about the 70s with, is it? Uh, yeah, this, do- this did dawn on me as well. Um, you're so going to get average expected life. Horse, because I do think they can live a bit of long, 25 to 30 years. So that horse would have been... It does scab. Death's door almost, though, wouldn't it? It's, it's, well, it was close to being put out to pasture, so at least they did say that. Right. So um, it's, he's been saved, so maybe he was getting very, very old then. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It does it does hold up, but some of the other things maybe don't with Martin's age. But... I mean, if, if you're saying, I mean, there's a picture of him with a perm. Was it late 70s, do we think? Late 70s, early 80s, maybe he was mounted patrol? Yeah, is that what we want to go with? Yeah, I'm happy with that. Maybe that horse would have been, I don't know, two or three years old, maybe trained and done whatever. So Yeah, maybe... I don't know like what, what, what age is a, is a horse at full height, you know, that, that yeah. it's rideable. Um, measured in hands and everything, isn't it? It's very exactly, strange. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I was I was talking to a farmer actually. I was on his farm this Saturday, and he'd recently like calfed some of his animals, some of his cows and things. Um, and he was saying like, I don't know, is it like a um, no, not a month? I don't know if he said like a month old cow, or maybe maybe it was like four month old cow can weigh like the best part of like six hundred kilos. Um, wow. You know, it's just like I saw a two day old calf um, and it was probably the size of, I don't know, a big Labrador. Yeah, I was going to say they're born at a decent size. Aren't they? Yeah, like I couldn't believe it. I was like, that's two days old. Um, and, you know, it was it was it was quite amazing, really. I've never been that close to such a young cow. But yeah, um, yeah so I don't. But what I'm trying to get at is I don't really know much about animals and their expectancies and things. So if we're, you know, completely barking up the wrong tree, listeners will let us know. But it sounds like the horse thing works in some yeah. ways. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it sounds like it works. Martin gets gets sad, gets melancholy. He has to confront the fact he's aging. Agadiz is obviously a reminder of not quite his youth, but y- younger days. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this would be this would be a real sad moment and in many ways it's quite depressing because he would he previously would never have had to mourn the loss of Agades, whereas he's now going to have to mourn the loss of Agades. yeah it's and almost that, like he's completely forgotten about Agades until this moment he's not really told that story not not to obviously viewers like us yeah he's not really mentioned it until niall says 
this is where we go. Or they blindfold him. I mean, the entrance to that is hilarious when he walks in. And he goes, no guessing where we are yet, Dad. No, I have no idea other than the smell of a stable and horses and some straw and that saddle we tripped over on the way. Yeah. <laughs> we could be anywhere. <laughs> uh, so good. But obviously, you know, Niles and obviously introduced and he's very happy to see Agadiz. But at the same time, I think, you know, like you say, it's bittersweet in a way, isn't it? Because he knows that he's getting older. Agadiz is getting older. He's looking back on his time in the force. They're both now retired, you know, and you're getting older and, and yeah. Yeah. I, I just think, yeah, like he's now going to have to deal with like this mini crisis he's having now. He's going to have all over again when Agadiz passes and yeah. he's going to be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not getting any younger either. And it's, you know, I, I mean, it's a, it's a sad topic for anyone, but I think even when you're just kind of dancing around the edges of it, it's, uh, it's really sad to be kind of, you have to have to confront this stuff and it, it really, Get really, you know, I get a pang of, of sadness when I kind of see this thing, um, in in any kind of TV or film. Um, the idea of aging and stuff, it's it's obviously sad. Um, so yeah, we, we have we have Martin getting sad, um, and then they kind of leave the the, the stable because he doesn't want them to overanalyze the hell out of everything like they normally do. Um, we then get the Stonehenge line that we've already kind of jumped to because it's so yeah. good. Um, when they go back to KACL uh, to nineteen oh one. And a bit of sherry time as they're reflecting. And by that, I mean the drink, not the woman. Um, well, that's a earlier, sherry will. Sherry um, will. Um, but Niles doesn't have one because he has a session. But yeah, they're kind of reflecting, aren't they, on, on, on why people say nice, actually, because that, that line is obviously iconic, but he does say, Sherry Niles? He <laughs> and does. At one, and at some point, I am actually going to re-watch the whole lot and work out how many times he actually says that. And to go on to it, as listeners are going to get irritated as hell with me for doing it, I found out recently, I think, when Newman in Seinfeld enters, I think Jerry says, hello, Newman. It's something like 15 or 16 times, which doesn't seem like very often. You feel like he says it every single time. You do, yeah. Not actually as often as you want. And Sherry Niles is the same. It's an iconic line in the, in the sitcom, but Frazier doesn't actually say Sherry Niles that often. Quite often he'll say Sherry, or he'll go and get it, or, or you want a drink? Can I get you a Sherry, or...? But there it yeah. is again, Sherry Niles. Mm. So again, like I say, it's a brilliant line. Obviously, it's one that's been memed to death um, with loads of different things. In, in, for all the right reasons. Well, even I've made it. I've made it with Perry Gilpin in Fraser's hand saying, Perry Niles. Perry Niles. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld in his hand saying, Jerry Niles. <laughs> there Not- is truly no end to your talents, Dave. <laughs> I mean, I haven't even watched Seinfeld up to like beyond season five. It's a show I need to finish. Um and yeah, I associate Newman with "Hello, Newman." You know, absolute, and, and my mother half elf would say the same thing. She absolutely loves Seinfeld. And she absolutely loves the moment that Newman comes in and Jerry's parents are there, and Jerry's mum goes, "Hello, Newman." <laughs> That's brilliant. She's knocked the line out as so well. So good, so good. I mean, my my two favourite moments from Seinfeld, just as a quick tangent, because I know our listeners do enjoy it, is Frank Costanza on the phone to Jerry's dad. You know, saying. This is Frank Costanza. It's like, you know, I'm going to be all up in that shuffleboard court. Like, I'm about the, the holiday thing. I can't remember what he's specifically oh, saying. Moving to Florida down at La Boca Vista. That's it. That's it. Um, you know, just unbelievable. Um, and the other one from the one with the sniffing accountant, um, when, what's his name? When Kramer's got like two cigarettes in his mouth and a beer, and he's like, yeah. here's to feeling good all the time. And just downs the pipe. There's an, yeah, there's an absolutely brilliant outtake of that where Michael Richards, 
manages to drink the entire pint, the cigarette sitting out the side of the glass. And obviously, it's still puffing, isn't it? He's got little bits coming out. Yeah. He drinks the entire pint. He looks at the other guy and you can see that he can't hold it. He just does this massive great belch back at the guy and goes, here's the feeling good all the time. They go, <laughs> cut, we've got to do it again. You can't belch. <laughs> this massive burp comes out. He just goes, here's to feeling good all the time. Because he couldn't no, uh... can't say it from drinking this pint. He goes, oh. we've, got again, we've got to do it again. But what a performance. That, that scene is brilliant. He he elevates <laughs> physical comedy in American sitcom to a level like we've never seen since, in my opinion. No, um, no I mean, you, you can't enter a room like, uh, like Kramer. You can't fall over a table, climb over a chair, hit your head on that many things and just bounce around the stage. There's nothing that guy doesn't do in it's that. It's an unbelievable performance, it really is. Yeah, literally every single one. Uh, like, literally scene stealing, isn't it? So I'm, I'm really in the mood to, to put it back on Seinfeld now, so I might just in the next few days. Um, and Sherry saying, do you get the Nashville network now so she can presumably watch some country stuff and Frasier? Because obviously they're, they're, Martin is, is missing and they suspect he might be the stable. Frasier's, oh, who am I kidding? I'm worried sick. <laughs> <laughs> just kills me because he obviously just needs to get the hell out of Dodge because, you know, Sherry's about to get Nashville on again. Um, Nashville on ice, as we know that they've been to previously. Um, that does bring me to the, obviously, the Nashville network. I can only presume it's a TV of country music, radio, or country I think so. It's just going to be like local films. Yeah, yeah. Exactly um, that. But that brings me on to Sherry's song that she's written, which I've got written down as You Can Cop a Feel If I Can Feel a Cop. Unbelievable punning there. I mean, I'm really so hoping, good. Will, one day when I look on your Instagram and you're noodling around on your old ivories, you know, <laughs> away, I'm hoping for a rendition of if you can feel a, if you can cop a feel, can I feel a couple? If I can find the sheet music for such a thing, or dare I say, I have to compose the song myself. Um, Listeners, please. please. Perhaps that's something that uh, I could do one day. Um, I can put finally put lyrics like we did with Martin Does It His Way. Will does it his way and finally yeah. writes, you can cop a feel if I can feel a cop. I think that is a season closer for us. Episode 20 <laughs> season will be a recap, followed by a little rendition of that song by you. <laughs> oh, my God. The pressure is on now. It really is. Um, so they, they go back to the, to the stable and they find Martin there. Um, There's some really kind of a lot of pathos in some of these lines. You know, we were something, weren't we, Agadiz? and. Mm. Um, you know, blah blah blah. It's just kind of the way he's looking at his face and holding him, and they really, yeah, that really gets to me. That line, um, you know, you can really see the sadness here. I think, and I it's, think, yeah, John Mahoney actually looks quite comfortable with a horse, and he's mm. way more comfortable with that horse than he ever does with Moose on his lap. That's so true. But there is the rumour, obviously, that went around a lot that they said that Moose was very snippy and John Mahoney didn't like him. He yeah, John didn't like him. <laughs> so, yeah. But I maybe, can see John liking the horse because he's got a bit of that old school Western swagger. It just, he just seems really, I mean, that's a nice moment. I know I know we do have that, I think, in later seasons when Enzo's playing Eddie, uh, John Mahoney. There's the iconic Christmas um, scene where John leans over the chair, doesn't he? And, and Eddie looks up and sort of almost kisses him. And it, it's quite a nice picture. I yeah. The word iconic, but it's hard not to. Um, and that sort of scene, like I say, I think Enzo was a bit different than Moose was playing Eddie. But I just think John's really lent himself well to that scene with Agadiz, the way he sort of touches the horse, the way he's talking to him and everything. The horse actually looks reasonably interested. In the background, I think you've got, is it Trigger, the white horse that seems <laughs> trying to eat Niles' hair? And Licking Niles, it's so good. 
David Hyde Pierce really does react exactly how I imagine most people would. If you're trying to be quiet, you're creeping in and this horse starts swinging its neck around and yeah. then licking your face and trying to eat your hair. You think, yeah, do you know what? I wouldn't be able to be quiet either. So good, honestly. Just his face, like, he's just, just like shocked. You know, he doesn't know what to do. It's like someone's just kind of planted a kiss on him that he hasn't seen in ages. Only the someone is a horse. Um, just it's phenomenal. And again, just some brilliant physical acting from from DHP. Um, you know, the, the episode kind of ends with with Niles giving them both equal credit for the gift, and Fraser's Fraser's very kind of like, you know sycophantic about that it's like oh my god Nas how can I ever repay you you know thank you so much and I'm like you know Nas has done a good thing but he's also done the right and maybe expected thing and Fraser is really kind of jumping over bending over backwards to be like wow you're so gracious when really Nas did start this it's it was it was for Nas to resolve and I think yeah Niles for me brings himself back to where he should be by saying, well, actually, Frazier, <clears throat> sorry, Frazier did, he was involved in this, Dad. And he, oh, oh, well, in that case, thank you, Frazier, as well. Yeah, yeah. And then the one-upmanship slightly comes back in when Frazier goes, well, actually, it was more Niles. And Niles goes, no, it was equal. And he goes, no, it really was more of you. And well, well and, and you think, do you know what? You, you guys just can't let it drop. Even now, you're trying to let the other one take more praise. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bully yeah. them. So you look like the better person for letting them take the credit. They just can't stop. They just That's won't. exactly it. Yeah. It. Yeah. Um, but I must admit now, one of my favorite parts of an episode in season five comes when Martin says one plus one and the horse bangs the stable door twice, doesn't it? It knows how to count. Yeah. He leaves narcissism for how many minutes and Kelsey's massive foot bangs three times. <laughs> <laughs> That is a sideshow Bob-sized foot. And it really is. He really does that like cartoon exaggeration, doesn't he? I just think it's absolutely brilliant from Kelsey. It used to floor me every time with laughter, and it still did today when I watched it. Just yeah. the fact he went, and for how many minutes did it bring him happiness? Boom, boom, boom. And he so just walks good. out. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. I was like, brilliant. That what a way I really, really love that. Um, the kind of post-credit scene, of course, is the blindfold to get in past Stonehenge because they're they're all the speakers <laughs> are in the corridor, um, which I, which I just really loved. I think that's brilliant. Um, Martin probably wouldn't suspect too much. They've already blindfolded him earlier. Yeah. You know, I just I just chuck a blindfold on him. Why not? Um, and I'm glad that he never gets to see the TV and he doesn't know what he missed out on because you know. That Frasier has lain waste to his apartment, as Niles correctly states. But at the same time, the distance from that TV to the chair, Martin's going to be blind within the first oh two. Oh, my God. You're, yeah. you're going to see it from the Space Needle, aren't you? People at the top of the Space Needle, you're going to see the such bright white light coming out of 1901. They're going to have to watch Bonanza from the top of the Space Needle, <laughs> if they, especially if they've got those binoculars that Frasier had bought earlier. Maybe, yeah, maybe he leaves them across the road at the Space Needle so people can watch the TV when they're up. <laughs> it says, please watch me, 1901, counterbalance. Um, is this episode in your top 10 Steve it's not I'm afraid it's not in my top 10 but it's a very good episode it's one I've watched a lot um, yeah. I go back to it a lot I think it's a brilliant one-off you don't need to know any kind of wider arcs for this you wouldn't even know Nars and Daphne have anything going on because I don't think they interact no oh, other, other than the when she drops him in it with the gift yeah, um, she's very much back to a worker in this one. She's not flirting with Niles. Niles isn't flirting with her. He's not chasing her. Um, Roz is the one kissing everyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
there's no KACL. You don't even need to know Fraser's occupation at this point. Um, well, like I know. said, I mean, we had all that established in the last episode. This one literally is. Well, you must know what's going on. We're in we're in episode two now, so let's go for it. Do you know, what that's I mean? a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's it's like the 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 kind of chaser after the establishing shot of episode one. Um, it's like you know, this is just a perfect self-contained episode, and I think it's it's a really good one to show to show people um really really like it who have you gone for best actor pick um i don't want to because i think i picked him last week but i might have to go for kelsey as fraser again mm. um and actually i'm going to read you something for listeners from this book which you won't be able to see if taking the dust jacket off it's called directed by james burrows sorry it's, sorry it's can you read that again sorry. for me please sorry. my internet froze again just going to try and get a little extract out of a book that I bought recently, which is called Directed by James Burroughs. Oh, man, that's awesome. And the reason I say about it is because it's a little tiny interesting bit. And uh, oh, I feel like I'm going to read your story, Will. Mm, I no, love it's this. One, it's one paragraph. And it just says, whilst directing each episode, I had a special shorthand with Kelsey on set. He would yell, let's kick the pig, meaning let's move it along. Or he would break into song with his version of The Good Life. Like with Judd Hirsch or Teddy Danson, I could say, Kelsey, give me a 44. It was code for nothing. I was telling him, do whatever you want. I'm watching you. If you do anything that I think is off, I'll let you know. I have your back. And that's oh, James. I love Burrow. that. Kelsey, I really, honestly, I know it's slightly going off, but I really recommend anyone who wants to read that a bit about sitcoms. Book. There's about five decades of sitcoms that James Burroughs has been involved in. Taxi, Cheers, uh, Mad About You, uh, Will and Grace, Frasier, Friends, Caroline in the City, Seinfeld, you name it, James Burroughs has probably directed it, helped write parts of it. It's been involved. That book is absolutely fascinating. That bit, like when I, I knew that I could bring that up in that, um, the acting part, just because it shows how much free reign they actually gave Kelsey on, on Cheers as well as this. Mm. To be able to say, do what you want. And then as a director, I'll tone it down if I need to. It shows why Kelsey did what he did. And if he directed people like that, and he also directed Jane and he directed Perry, Bulldog, obviously, um, Dan Butler, and David Hyde Pierce, you realise why this cast came out the way it is. So in short, my answer is definitely Kelsey again, because I think his acting in this episode is brilliant. It's a lot well, of fun. I mean, I have picked... I have picked Kelsey as well, but I don't need to say anything towards that because that is the most <laughs> that is the best summary of why you've picked an actor we've ever had on the podcast. I mean, what a brilliant extract. Like, I need to get that book. So I had no idea he was involved with as many shows as you just named. Um, and I feel like as someone who loves American sitcoms, and I'm not, I you know, you, I, I concede, Steve, you know far more about American sitcoms than I do, and you've certainly seen a lot more. There's just something, it's not even that I love watching them for what they are. It's like what they represent to me. They're like, they're real signposts of their time. And, yeah. um, you know, just, I, I just think they're, they're brilliant kind of cultural artifacts as, as, as much as they are entertainment. And, you know, you can spin a frigging podcast off one. You can write books about them. You can do whatever yeah. you want with them because they're, they're amazing pieces of culture. And that book sounds like a wonderful window into... It's so, about twenty pounds. It's hardback. It's available on Amazon. Like, is say. it new? Or... Yeah, directed by James Burrows. It's been out about I don't know, maybe a month. Oh wow! Okay, that's um, even more reason to get it. Then that's not really exciting. That's a new has thing. Has got a snippet in it that does mention the Frasier reboot. That's how new it is, and it says that James is very excited for it because he wants to see Kelsey, David, Jane, and Perry reunited. 
I don't know if that means that James Burroughs knows something, but he has mentioned that he's excited to see those four back on stage together. It seems like he wouldn't say that without fire. If you know, it wouldn't be published if not. I know that no one's been confirmed for this reboot, so I'm not starting gossip here. But if James Burroughs is involved and he's written that in a book, it does make me wonder. Should we be more excited about this than we are? Mm, very, very good. What a wonderful well, little teaser to end on. Um, well, I say, I say nearly end on. Um, we've got a few last minute things to do. Kennedy Burling, Steve, I'm on the ground. Does he own a horse that you know of? Have you spoke to him recently? Does he own a horse? He actually owns Ward, Shooter, and Trigger. There. You're kidding me. Well, of course. I mean, he was without riding uh, Shooter at the time, which is why Shooter wasn't in the state. <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard, if you know, if you look really closely, don't be surprised if you see him wearing his triple crown. Um, actually give it a crown, you idiot. <laughs> um, crown. <laughs> all that remains is to play Who's Crazy Anyway before we jump over to, I want to say, listener mail. We only have one because we posted this episode last night, as, as you're hearing this. It's not last night, but um, as of the time of recording, it was last night. So we only have one listener mail. I must admit, if listener mail's that quiet, I mean, we could always sing until everyone rings in. So when you're moving, it's the sky. Like <laughs> oh, the lines are lighting up now. Well. Oh, there they are. <laughs> um, who's crazy anyway, Steve? The line, I think you might get this. It's not super obscure. It's petite Oh, I don't think I think I went. I think I went a little bit easy with this one. Is it Mickey Dugan's wife? They say she's not petite, don't they? But who says? Who says it? Who says it? Is it Martin or is it Sherry? I'm going to need an answer from you, Steve. (laughs) I'm going to say it's Martin. I think. Oh, I'm glad you did. It's Martin. May Dugan was a lot of things, but petite she wasn't. Um, I'll point her out to you at the party. I don't think you'll need to if that's one of her brassiers or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. Um, but yes, shall we jump over to a very quick listener mail, Steve? I will let you take it away if there's just the one. It's all yours. Excellent. So all we have is little Bobby Briscoe, one of our trivia masters, um, came to the live episode, a wonderful member of this community. And he says, another fun listen to the Frasier's Imaginary Friend episode. Real belly laugh when Steve asked me, quite, well, sorry, when Steve asked Quote, remind me what you do for a living, Will, whilst discussing Nathaniel Hawthorne. <laughs> Honestly, just I completely forgot that's actually a line from the show because it was so fitting as well to what was happening. Um, just brilliant. I'm pronouncing the word charade. Charade, charade. As Will observed, in America, it is nearly always pronounced charade. In Fraser's imaginary friend, the charade, charade pronunciation dialogue is between Niles and Martin at Novosa. Um, the next occurrence I found, it's jumping ahead a bit, is in Party Party in a dialogue between Daphne and Martin as Fraser is trying to escape from the birthday party in his apartment. Daphne says to Fraser, You love charades, Martin, charades. Daphne, charade. Um, so, yeah, maybe Noel says it because he's an Anglophile. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's maybe... weird because John Mahoney and Jane Leaves are both British. Yeah, and they <laughs> said... Between them two. Yeah, so, um, but that's really good, really good. In my neck of the world, pronouncing the word as charade would bring a roughly equivalent response as that of one showing up at a sporting event with a sweater tied jauntily around one's neck. <laughs> and that is phenomenal. So, so good. Love listening to We're Listening. Keep up the great work. A phenomenal listener mail there from little Bobby Briscoe. Um, Bobby Briscoe. We, if you're listening to this, obviously, 
well, you, you are listening to this. Um, we need to stagger things maybe by a week to get back on track so that people actually have a week to, to get in touch rather than 24 hours as it has been this week. And it might be that for a, a few weeks until we, we get things sorted again for the new season. But, um, you know, as soon as we can get that sorted, we will. Uh, next time, Steve, it is, is it Halloween? I believe it's going to be a spooky version. Yeah, I think it's mm, Halloween. It Although is I... Halloween. Um, I'll smite you with the sinewy something of my right hand. Um, yeah. You've ever been rear-ended? Or... <laughs> <laughs> They're almost human, aren't they? Um, but yeah, really looking forward to Halloween. Um, love that episode. And as I've said before, this disc, super, super strong. So yeah, excited for this, really am. Um, but other than that, I've been Will. And I've been Steve. And thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Oh, my And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs 